In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. And he used a razor, and he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. It's a very good system. Vinny was in charge of the tomato sauce. Ah, got the smell. The kinds of meat and meatballs. You got the veal. Beef and pork. Ah, good, but you gotta have the pork. Oh, that's, that's the flavor. I felt he used too many onions, but it was still a very good sauce. Vinny, don't put too many onions in the sauce. I didn't put too much onions in it. Oh, three small onions, that's all I did. Three onions. How many cans of tomatoes you put in there? I put two cans, two big cans. You don't need three onions. Johnny Deal did the meat. We didn't have a broiler, so Johnny did everything in pans. I used to smell up the joint something awful, and the hacks used to die, but he still cooked a great steak. Hey, how do you like your Medium red. Medium red. Hmm. Aristocrat. See, you know, it, when you think of prison, you get pictures okay. in your mind of all those old movies with rows and rows of guys behind bars. But it wasn't like that for wise guys. It really wasn't that bad. Except that I missed Jimmy. He was doing his time in Atlanta. I mean, everybody else in the joint was doing real time, all mixed together, living like pigs. But we lived alone. We own the joint. Even the hacks we couldn't bribe would never rat on the guys that we did. Vinny, I got your peppers and onions, salami, prosciutto, a lot of cheese. Come on, come on, what else? You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site episode, episode blah, 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 257. I am Lee. Go home and get your fucking shine box, Russell. I am joined by my co-hosts with the mostest. She'll kill him, but she won't divorce him. Hardy, how you doing? Sounds about right. <laughs> Actually, no, never mind. I'd probably divorce him. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, on, on the slight chance that you'd actually get married, you know. But, you know. Fuck dealing with the blood. Yeah. <laughs> Just divorce him. <laughs> it makes it so much easier. And I can get, like, get some sort of money through it. 
if there's one thing this movie teaches us, it's that uh, dealing with the bodies is much more difficult than uh, you know. Yeah, just getting divorced. Especially yeah. when you gotta, especially when you gotta <laughs> dig them back up and put them in another spot. It's those condo developers. Those are the, they're the real villains here. You know, it is. <laughs> keep, keeping keeping the little Italian man down is is what is what's <laughs> happening here. Uh, and of course, you heard him uh, returning. Uh, the old co-hosts with the Moses are uh, yeah. co co-host, not co-hosts. Duh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, just know whatever. I'm just Words. running with it. He's getting excited. Uh, yeah. Daniel, the kind of guy that rooted for the bad guys in the movies. Harper, how you doing, <laughs> sir? I am doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Depends on who you call the bad guys. Uh, you, mm-hmm. know, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this thing called shades of gray that uh, exists yeah. in the world. But yeah, the fifty kinds. No, not that <laughs> shitty movie. <laughs> and shitty books. I don't know. I, I was aroused. Know. Were you? Okay. Well, <laughs> each their own. But yeah, we're we're doing uh, we're doing something a little little fun here. This is something Daniel suggested, and you suggested we do this. Just before Ray Liotta died, so like, do you know something? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I got the vibes from the universe that Ray Liotta was going to die, and therefore it was like, yeah, let's watch Goodfellas. Um, no, I was thinking about this movie uh, just idly one day, and uh, you know, it was like, oh, you know, because I do, um, I do uh, movie reviews and movie discussions over mm-hmm. on for bonus content on my other show, and I was like, you know, this really isn't. You know, we do stuff like we did The Fugitive recently, which really doesn't which fit is, into our remit at all. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it was like, Goodfellas, that's even further away. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> at that point, we're not even trying anymore. Um, so although yeah. there may be some some uh, some some overlapped in, in content, uh, kind of rewatching it. But so I was like, hey, I've been missing uh, the Lees, the Leah, Leah and Lee. And I thought, like, yeah, let's uh, let's go hang out. So. Yeah. Yay. One of, one of one of our favorite subscribers to On Lee fans. So uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, our only subscriber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should <laughs> somebody should buy that domain for us. That would be nice. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. If if I set up a Patreon exclusively to, to buy that domain and then shut it down once I get the money. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I'm going to probably do nothing with it. It'll just be pictures of Lee's cat and dog. <laughs> That's enough. That's yeah. enough. Yeah. It'll just be an extension of her Instagram, basically. The occasional so like foot or hand will be in there. Yeah, maybe, maybe as we discussed in my la- in the last episode, my my calf muscles would oh, yeah. show up once in a while. Maybe, yeah. Just throw your calf in there. Yeah, just like random. Like muscle. <laughs> I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a niche market for random calf muscle pictures somewhere in probably form. yeah everyone is into and every wait everyone's into something there we go yeah there we go so we can go to what we've watched in the last little while uh do you have anything you want to mention there daniel uh yeah i actually watched the um i mean i've watched quite a bit of stuff since i talked to you last but yeah um <laughs> yeah just uh last week uh my wife and i went through the reacher amazon series oh I yeah if either one of you have uh I have. given that a- i quite liked it um mm-hmm. it gave me some of those like uh you know this is this is an overstatement but it gave me some of those justified vibes um mm-hmm. from back in the day and justified is like probably 
like a, one of my all time favorite television shows. And so when I say it kind of gives me a little bit of that, that vibe again, um, that's high praise. Um, it's not nearly as good as justified justified is a much smarter show. Um, but it compares favorably, um, to the, uh, the first novel, yeah. um, cause I read the killing floor. I mean, a few years ago, it was like an airport read, you know, sort of book, mm-hmm. um, enjoyed enjoyed the book you know it's kind of a you know goofy first novel um but uh this kind of takes a lot of those elements and then just rearranges them and actually makes like a compelling story out of it and you know um i i thought it was i thought it was really well done um i have not seen the tom cruise films uh um, which i've heard are pretty decent you know but um the first one is decent considering the fact that tom cruise is about like one-fifth the size of what reacher is supposed to be <laughs> right you just have to overlook the element that like jack reacher is supposed to be huge because my wife had never read the books and it, i think she had seen like the trailers for the the tom cruise stuff and she's like that guy is huge i'm like that's actually how he's described in the <laughs> book like that's that's how huge he's supposed to be <laughs> you know oh yeah she's it, like oh okay i get it now <laughs> you know, in the like, in the book he's basically Frankenstein's monster who is also trained to kill right yeah <laughs> by the army so like and yeah I've I'm actually a fan of the series like it, it's very disposable throwaway like pulp action crime novels basically are what they are, is what it is I like that kind of stuff quite a bit and I think you know Lee Child is probably one of the best purveyors of that sort of stuff sure. uh, these days um, is it is the stuff like super deep or anything like no and, and it, it's it, it's very male fantasy focused kind of stuff at the same time I, yeah. I I get that I realize that I realize that what it says about me to be reading some of that stuff you know but um, you're you're allowed to just want to like you know grunt a little testosterone every now and then and pretend <laughs> that you're Jack Reacher it's fine you know? I mean I mean I I never pretend I'm Jack Reacher but I mean it's very good escapist fiction if you if yeah. you like Pulp Fiction and stuff like that it's very good for yeah. that um, and yeah that series was was fucking great like it it fleshed out the novel in ways that uh, just made it the story better as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's good stuff. I'm looking forward to season two. See what oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It rearranges when you get certain bits of information too, because in the, in the book, you don't, as I recall, you don't r- realize why Reacher has gone into this mm-hmm. town until like the very, like the last chapter or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And here it's kind of like, it's front and center. And, you know, so that, that kind of dichotomy between this like mountain of a man and, you know, love of blues music, it gets yeah. to be actually like explored a little bit in the, in the, in the show, mm-hmm. which I thought was, um, I thought was very, I thought it was really well done. So yeah, it, it improves on the, it improves on the novel, which again, is pretty good, but it improves on the novel in, in like every way. So um, yeah. 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 Check it out. Uh, anything else? No, no. Okay, <laughs> uh, Lady Lee. That, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> you didn't. Ha- you didn't have anything. I've just been watching a whole lot of Drag Race. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just, just catching up on my drag queens. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been quite entertaining, and it's been funny because like usually I'm ahead of everything, but I haven't watched in a while, so now it's just watching the season, know who wins. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's still fucking awesome. I love the show. It's so mainstream now, and it's kind of lost its like original edge to it. But I still love it. Yeah, you know, terrible that you know 
drag queens are becoming much more accepted in, in popular <laughs> culture. Yeah, it just takes away from like drag queens in general because like now it, people see drag queens and they expect them to be able to sew their own clothes, be able to act, be able to sing, be able to like dance, be able to do all this stuff, be comedians. And mm. uh, while there's some out there that absolutely can do it, uh, it's not really the general idea of drag queens because before it was just a presence a character that you made so you got dressed up because it was like this persona that you wanted to like kind of bring out so a lot of them kind of did it to uh, cope with bullying like you hear a lot of stories about coping with bullying they make this uh ulterior person like persona and they act it out and it's like this this thing to escape reality and now it's just this competition on who's like the top of everything like it's mm -hmm. the best of the best instead of kind of appreciating like the raw talent of drag in general like the the story behind like why they came up with their characters like the appreciation of the the person and then the the drag persona yeah like i appreciate how now it's becoming more open so they were bragging about how they had this first straight person on drag race but it was really annoying because like second season of dragula they had someone who well they said they were um heteroflexible but still they were married with a wife and had a kid and drag race is like oh my god now season 13 we have a straight queen like i don't know <laughs> it just and the same with having uh, a trans queen i don't understand how they didn't have that so long ago like trans queens are queens but and then there's just the simple, the AFAB queens, again, and drag kings, again, every other fucking show has done it, and every other fucking show appreciates them, but drag race is just this, like, okay, I guess we'll finally bring it on. Like, it just makes me angry. Like, I hate that I like the show. I feel I like, it. I, I feel like I, I haven't, I've, I've watched a couple episodes of this, and I feel like, you know, it, it's in the same mold as American Idol and stuff like that, where it's more like ease the normies into that's true yeah this kind of thing right well i think arguably it started off as a little bit more of a it's something that was a little bit edgier and then oh. it sort of becomes the mainstream it becomes the the kind of and it starts off as something that's almost like a parody of like america's next top model or you know like yeah. right. probably next top model explicitly it was just kind of a parody of that or like you know what's the uh <laughs> the fashion show god mm. what was the big famous designer show on Bravo for years and years. She's oh, no idea. <laughs> I, I was I was watching softcore movies on Bravo, dude. I wasn't watching no, well, Bravo. Bravo is it's a different it's a different show. It's a different channel. I know channel what you're talking here, about. But, you I just know, cannot yeah. remember the name. It's funny. It's funny that this is like this major. You know, my wife is my wife is probably yelling at me from upstairs right now because you know. <laughs> anyway, um, I watched a bunch of that stuff with her, and you know, I think that Drag Race starts off as being this kind of like you know kind of next top model satire almost and then it kind of has a charm of its own from what i remember rupaul him himself has some like has had some issues with like not being completely on board with trans issues and such so yeah. it doesn't surprise me that he's been a little bit more uh, conservative on some of these things there's um, been a lot of things that have been brought up and i think it's just because uh the show is like hey we gotta do this even though like rupaul herself doesn't care for it they're like no 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 we got to do this now because, like, you're going right. to start moving people. Because there was a lot of drag queens. Like, at first, uh, the first few seasons, it said, hey, oh, you've got she-male. And uh, a couple of queens got mad at that because they were in transition. And then RuPaul made the comment saying the only difference between 
a drag queen and a trans person is a, a good plastic surgeon. <laughs> and yeah. that was uh, a pretty shitty thing to say. Yeah. And, oh, like, yeah. The first, the first season, they bring on a, a trans queen who's openly trans and like super well known. That queen happens to win. So not saying that queen wasn't really good. Like the queen was really good, but it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, hey. I see why she's in there. I see what you did. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I got to say, because you know how guys get, or not guys, but like uh, the way guys are taught that if you have a, a beef with another guy, you fight them. Like that's just something that seems to be in these guys' minds. Like I, I see it in like hockey games all the time. When I, I love watching hockey, but I get tired of the fights because I just think it's such a fucking stupid thing. And you see these two guys that are beefing and they're like, oh, let's fight. I want the guys to get fucking dressed up in makeup and do a fucking lip sync to a song and a lip sync for a life. Because I've seen so many fucking enemies where they're so angry at each other. And then they do this lip sync and like, I respect you, sis. (laughs) 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 That's what I want to (laughs) see. I just scared the cat. I mean, we we talked about this a few episodes back. Um, just thinking about like how you know since we've been covering divine so much on the podcast in the last year or so like how divine would fit in in, in on that show today you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah she would be uh, uh she wouldn't be she'd be red to filth for her makeup and her clothing which is hilarious <clears throat> but uh she was she's so respected amongst like the gay community like the drag community uh, Project Runway was the show I was trying to remember. But, okay, uh, okay, okay. I do know what that is, but <laughs> yep. never never watched it on Bravo. Like I said, I Canadian Bravo quarter uh, late night, lots of like softcore and like lots sex comedies and, and just like <laughs> yeah. programming. <laughs> yeah, no, Bravo is like the arts and entertainment channel uh, around. Although oh, I mean, it, mostly it's, it's still... just reality TV. Like the Real Housewives shows are all on Bravo. Oh yeah, yeah, no, but I mean. I mean, Bravo was the arts and entertainment uh, fucking channel here in Canada, too, back when I had cable, but they still didn't stop them from showing, like, fucking 80s titty comedies. <laughs> like, you know? That would have been that would have been a superior uh, 3 a.m. programming to what Bravo was doing every year back in the day when I was watching cable. Um, yeah. Oh, man. I just have one thing I'll mention. Uh, I just watched this. It's just dropped on Shudder. Uh, recently, um, it's called The Sadness from 2021. It's a Taiwanese uh, horror film. It, it's it vaguely falls into like as into the zombie film thing, but it's more of a uh, infection film. It's you know it's about a viral outbreak, um, basically a mutation of an existing virus. So like it, it's making some you know little little bit of hey there covid we see you kind of thing commentary about you know how people deal with pandemics and stuff like that but it it's a it's kind of a rage virus it's one that kills your uh, sexual and violent inhibitions in your in, in in your brain so like it turns people into these like violent rapey zombies basically and uh it's you know it's it's got the sort of standard story of like our two protagonists they're split up by the outbreak of this virus and they have to come together to you know to try to get back together to save each other kind of thing and get away think about this movie it's like even shutter itself says like they have like warnings up on on the on the movie saying like this movie's got disturbing images and it might fuck you up and freak you out and shit like that I was like, okay, well, I got to see this. My expectations have been, you know, 
heightened here. I'm like, I'll, 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 let's see what you what you're going to show me, Shutter. And it's like, so is it like a really disturbing movie full of like incredibly violent images and themes? Yes. Is it anything I've ever, I've never seen before? No. Uh, <laughs> I've I've seen all of this stuff in some shape or form. Although you know, fair enough. Most of the times I've seen this stuff beforehand, it was not nearly as well made as this film is. Like this film is just all these Asian films, these East Asian films that have been coming out lately, where they're just so well made. They're so slick. They're so like streamlined in a way like this is a very much like a streamlined 80 splatter movie in a lot of ways. It's like there's a lot of good suspense and stuff that's like just punctuated by these extreme moments of gore that border on ridiculous and sometimes just step over that border. And you kind of go like there's no way that there could be that much blood, but it's still kind of effective in how it's done. And the thing I appreciate about this movie the most, like it is very well made. It, it does what it's supposed to do. It's, it's a decent zombie slash infection movie. The thing I like about it the most is just so nihilistic. Like it is there is no heart in this movie at all. It's just like we're going to go for just broke and we're going to make everyone depressed by the end we're going to fuck with everybody we're going to make we're just going to show the worst just like the worst of that humanity has to offer by taking these people's inhibitions away and making them into monsters and in that sense it's very effective like it's if you thought trained to busan was pussy shit basically well here's the east asian horror film that really goes hardcore with the zombies <laughs> and all that stuff that, that's kind of what they're doing here um so like if, if people are familiar with trained to busan like this movie even directly nods to that in one scene uh and the other one hashtag alive which is actually a title of a film and those are both really good examples of modern sort of zombie horror films out of uh, east asia uh this one's right up there i i think huh. it's pretty fucking good uh you know just don't go and go in expecting any sort of happy ending because <laughs> it don't happen <laughs> I didn't include this in my letterboxed review that I wrote about it, but when I was thinking about it, it's like, it does have some things to say about just misogynist violence against women when it, when it strips some of these, these people's like inhibitions away, it does like get into that sort of uh, discussion a little bit about, you know, just violent rapists and, and the worst of society and stuff like that. So uh, like if one character who ends up being kind of like the central villain of the film. He's on the train with our female protagonist. And like, he's comes off as the, like the nice guy who wants to talk to the young woman, but he's like super fucking creepy. The only thing keeping the only thing basically stopping him from like trying to sexually assault her is social decorum basically. And when, once he gets infected with the virus, like that's just out the fucking window. Like he, he is suddenly he just, gives into what he really wants to do basically kind of thing so yeah it's it's an interesting movie i, I need to watch it again like i think i think it has some things to say about uh that shit but uh it, it's 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 a nasty film it's a nasty film i'm not, I'm not gonna lie we were just talking about drag queens you're like i watched the nastiest film well i don't think it's the nastiest film but i i can't see why some people would be distressed by it. Uh, it it's sure. like I said, it's, it's stuff I've seen a million times over watching every nasty 
violent horror movie. Like I, I've, I've, after seeing like so many like Italian cannibal movies from the eighties, I, <laughs> yeah. What What are you going to show me that I haven't seen? I've seen actual animals be killed on screen. What What are you going to show me in this film that I haven't seen before? Like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> Moving away from that, great seg- great segues we do on the show. Yeah, uh, all no, the yeah. Time. Uh, Moving away from vicious misogyny, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good <yeah>. fellas, <laughs> <laughs> which has uh, none of that <laughs> built in. <laughs> no, that, that none of that. None, but uh, none whatsoever. No, yeah. but we're we're gonna do something we did last episode. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna play a game here. So I need to share my screen. Do you guys see that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Statigories. We're doing it again. The IMDb okay. game. So. Um, <laughs> twice yeah so we're, we'll all just do one round of this and then we'll get into reviewing the movie or whatever but uh so daniel this is basically a game where it's going to give you two movies from imdb and you basically try to guess which one has the higher overall like community community rating the community for. rating okay yeah, sure. yeah generally how it works is like you pick that one and for a while that one stays up and gets paired against another one Right. And then after a while, sometimes the loser stays up and gets paired against new ones. So it'll, it'll switch up a little bit, but it, it's it's fairly easy to keep track of. So, okay. uh, all right. So we'll, we'll start playing here. And since we, you know, this is not a visual podcast, I will, you know. Make it visual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll make it visual for the listeners by telling you which movies and then you can answer. Okay. It's a yellow background. <laughs> yeah, yellow background. Uh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start up, and uh, Daniel will play first here. So. Okay. Okay, so we have Knives Out from 2019, or Friday the 13th from 1980, which has the higher score. I'm guessing Knives Out has the higher score. Okay. Seven point nine, six point five. Yeah, you're right. All right. All right. Knives Out did better. Oh man, we're we're seeing ones from the last game there, Lee. Yep. Yeah. Here. Okay. I know this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have Knives Out uh, still on, and now it's being paired up against House of Gucci from 2021. I'm guessing that's still Knives Out. All right. And you're correct. Six point seven for House of Gucci. Now we're switching over. Gucci is staying on the board, and now we have Up from 2009. I can't believe that Up would be lower than 6.7, so I'm definitely guessing Up. Yeah, Up, the movie that made everybody cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, the first eight minutes of Up. <laughs> you know, yeah, 8.2 for Up. I just met you, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, Up is up against Jumanji, the next level from 2019. <laughs> it's Up. It's got to be Up. <laughs> yeah, 6.7 for Jumanji. All right. I really suck at this game. Okay, now Jumanji is being paired against The Hunt from 2012, which is oh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen film. Uh, I have not seen that one. Um, I'm guessing The Hunt, although I, I think this is going to be close either way. All right, let's see it. The Hunt wins oh, with 8.3. Wow. Okay. Wow. Oh, and uh, Jesus, how many? <laughs> this is like five movies in this game because we've seen like four that were in the last game. Uh, the Hunt so you against got, the Great. You got an advantage over me. <laughs> uh, maybe. I uh, might have an advantage now. <laughs> uh, the, the Hunt against the Great Dictator from 1940. I'm guessing Chaplin is going to be way up there. So I recall it having a high score, so we'll see. 
Eight point four, you win. Yeah, there we go. Oh, <laughs> was this was this the Pirates of the Caribbean that was in the last one? No, yeah. this was Dead Man's Chest. Was isn't yeah. that the second Pirates movie? No, I think that's the third one, isn't it? No, Dead Man's Chest is the one with. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. That's the second man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had the we had the third one last time. So we got so we got Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest against the Great Dictator. It's the Great Dictator for sure. Seven point three for Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, there we go. Oh, okay. So now we have Pirates of the Caribbean against Cinema Paradiso from 1988, which I I don't know what that is. I do. Uh, I'm guessing it's Cinema Paradiso. Okay. On the logic that the people who have seen Cinema Paradiso will will have rated it fairly highly. (laughs) Eight point four. Okay. And now that's going against Rogue One, a Star Wars story, 2016. Uh, Cinema Paradiso, probably. All right. Yeah, seven point eight for Rogue One. Although I think Rogue One is the best Star Wars film. Um, I think it's yeah. No, it's way way up there. And now Star Wars uh, Rogue One is up against it from twenty seventeen. It's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go Rogue One actually. Okay. It is seven point three. So you you got it. Okay, uh, now it is being put up against uh, Incendies? Incendies. Incendies from 2010? I don't know Greek, that movie. It's a, apparently it's a Spanish movie, or a, you know, Spanish language, anyway. Uh, let's go with It. 8.2. No. Ah. So you scored 10. That's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. All I right, should have gone. I should have gone with my gut on that. I should have. I was. I. I outthought the game. I thought, no, you're gonna. It's gonna be it. But you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, those, those movies are pretty popular. It one and two. So yeah, yeah. All right. So so Lee, now it's for it's up for you to play. So I can get two. Oh yeah. Fuck. So we have Friday the 13th, 1980, which is up again. I'm starting to think they don't have a lot of movies in this fucking game. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Up against uh, Princess Mononoke from 1997, which is a Japanese anime film. Princess Mononoke. Okay. So 8.3, get 6.5. There you go. I got one. <laughs> yeah, no, and that, that Princess Mononoke's really oh, good. Oh fuck! Yeah. Uh, now up against Avenger, Avengers: Affinity War, twenty eighteen. Jesus Christ! Um, which one was this? Uh, it's the first. Uh, it's the it's first the, of the uh, two part, like in games. The the second one. Fuck! Like, uh, I think it's gonna be close. Ugh, I'm gonna go with the princess one again. Okay, Princess Mononoke. Oh, Avengers by point one. <laughs> that's 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 tough. that's rough. That's rough. That's rough. Okay, Whatever. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a round now. We'll see how we do. Okay, we got three right. idiots. We have three idiots from 2009 or Monsters Inc. 2001. Okay, I don't know what three idiots is. Um, a vid. It looks like it must be like a. It looks like candy. Bollywood. Hindi movie, Bollywood, something like that. Yeah. Or Monsters Inc., the movie that people still talk about today. Yeah, Monsters Inc. <laughs> I'll go Monsters Inc. Eight point one. Oh really? Oh, three idiots. Eight point three. And Adam Sandler is now thumbing me down in a gif, saying I suck. <laughs> well, I, I I agree with him. I'm I'm just gonna stop sharing that now. 
<laughs> I don't feel so bad now. No, no. Uh, we, 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 I, I think I came out the worst in that one. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So well, that's fun. Yeah. 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 We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and talk about Goodfellas. You know, play podcast promo, all that good stuff. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think let's get naked and smoke. You ungodly warlock. Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that, check out motionpicturemassacre.com or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre and you'll find it. This has been your announcer, Cowardly Fuck Your Bags. Signing off. Eat a dick. You ungodly warlock. Boom, boom, boom. He don't ever take it slow Well, not he often calls me Peter But my real name is Mr. He don't ever take it slow Well, not he often call me Speedo But my real name is Mr. back and we're going to be talking about goodfellas from 1990 and we have a trailer and i found the shortest one i could so let's, let's get in it never ride on your friends and always keep your mouth shut as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster hey mom 
him, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. Mazel for most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Uh, here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg and the wing? For us to live any other way was nuts. And we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's going to be a good summer. <laughs> It was a glorious time. In a world that's powered by violence, on the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. All right, directed by Martin Scorsese, some guy. I, I don't know who the fuck he is. Like, it seems like he should really do a Marvel movie sometime. I'll bet, I'll yeah, bet he'd be pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, he made like, uh, you know, he made a remake of Cape Fear, I hear. That's kind of yeah. okay. That, you know, yeah. So he, d- he did some stuff, I guess. He did some documentaries, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob Dylan documentary, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, he's all right. It's written by Nicholas Pelegi and Martin Scorsese. Pelegi wrote the book Wise Guy that this is uh, based on. Um, He also did the uh, book that uh, Casino is based on. Go to the cast here. Robert De Niro, just some guy is uh james conway <laughs> like this is like this the, the, the list of actors in this movie is what were you a working actor in the year 1990 yeah with something like an italian sounding last name and <laughs> you're in this movie <laughs> and 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 by the way if you live long enough you're gonna be on the sopranos basically <laughs> yeah because so we got robert de niro's james conway ray leodia <coughs> uh rest in peace is henry hill uh, Joe Pesci is Tommy DeVito. Lorraine Bracco is Karen Hill. Look at smoking in this film. Paul Servino is Paul uh, Cicero. Uh, Frank Servio is Frankie Carbone. Tony Darrow is Sonny Buns. Mike Starr is Frenchie. And Frank Vincent is Billy Bats. And of course, uh, I just want to point out here we have like uh, Scorsese's parents in this film. So both Charles and Catherine Scorsese are in this. Uh, Debbie Mazur. Both prepare food. <laughs> yeah, they do. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Debbie Mazur. Uh, Goddamn. Uh, this was this was like one of her very first roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fuck. Um, Ileana Douglas is in this. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and of course, like we said, Sopranos actors. Ones that pop out right away: Michael Imperioli, Vincent Pastors, uh, Tony uh, Sirico, and uh, and even uh, people of fans of. Uh, fucking saw a jigsaw himself tobin bell is in a brief scene here as a parole agent who just walks in and says a says a line and walks out like kind of everybody's been in this fucking film like yeah. you know you know it's it's pretty fucking crazy i forgot michael imperioli was in this until i saw it again mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, good samuel film. l jackson samuel l jackson is in this movie like, yeah yeah 
like it, it's kind of weird to see around this time where it's like Samuel Jackson just shows up in bit parts in these movies. Some and mostly just getting killed. Like he's in this, he's in true romance where he's just in yeah. a brief scene where he gets killed. And yeah, it's fucking crazy. The, the question I'm going to ask you right now is how old do you think Samuel L. Jackson was when he made this movie? Um, I'd say he's probably close to 40 something in this film. He is 42 years old. Yeah. In 1990, Samuel Jackson was 42 years old. (laughs) Well, uh, De Niro is De Niro's in his late forties at this point in this film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. No, I think the thing for me is that like, this was like pre Samuel Jackson really even having like a, like a career, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, he was still a great actor and everything, but he was, you're you're right. Exactly. He was a bit part guy. (laughs) He becomes a major star after Pulp Fiction, which is four years from now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. And it's crazy to think that, you know, he's pushing 80 now, basically. And, and he don't look it. Like he don't look at it at all. Like he, he he's still doing action scenes, man. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I I just recently saw him in one in something where it's like, how old is he now? And it's like, holy fuck! Like he looks like thirty years younger than what he actually is right now. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, like I did just just mentioned in here the Sopranos connection. There are twenty seven actors this film shares with Sopranos. Uh, so so this this goes to show you how how influential and reaching this, this movie is with that sort of stuff. Uh, we have a synopsis here from someone called Dustin B on IMDb. The lowly blue collar side of New York's Italian mafia is explored in this crime biopic of wise guy, Henry Hill. As he makes his way from strapping young petty criminal to big time thief, to middle-aged cocaine addict and dealer, the film explores in detail, the rules and traditions of organized crime, watching the rise and fall of Hill and his, oh, excuse me, and his two counterparts, the slick jack of all trades criminal Jimmy Conway and the brutish, intimidating Tommy DeVito. This true story realistically explores the core blue collar part of the mob. And yeah, it it's kind of what it's about. Yeah, we'll just kind of jump into this. Uh, so you you suggested this for the podcast, Daniel. So we'll get into your general thoughts first. I mean, it's a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest films ever made. You know, like it, mm. that's what we run into sometimes when we do these. It's like, yeah, let's talk about Goodfellas. And well, what are you going to say? Well, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. If you haven't seen it, you should stop this podcast now and go watch it and then come back and see if you have anything useful to say about it. Um, <laughs> the thing for me is like when I first saw this movie, uh, which this was like, I think I think this was my very first blind buy on DVD. Oh, yeah. I would have bought this sometime around the year 2000, like right, right in that kind of like probably right about 2000 <clears throat> at the time. <laughs> the disc that I still own somewhere in this house <laughs> is a flipper. Oh, if yeah. You remember the, that era of DVDs when the first half of the movie, like up to the point where Michael Imperioli is uh, where he shoots at his feet and then you flip the disc oh. and then the other half of the movie is on wow. the other side of the oh. disc. Yeah. Okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. I remember like VHS switching, not DVD switching. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, VHS and uh, Laserdisc was also notorious for that. Yeah, um, I think this might have been like this was early enough in the like DVD production process. This might have been just a rip of the Laserdisc. So see, you know. see what I what I thought you were going to tell me is that you had the yeah, I had the widescreen on one side and yeah. the full screen on the other. No, no, <laughs> this is this is the true flipper disc, man. Like, man. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, I, I've never had a DVD where I had to do that. 
Yeah, I should I should I should take a photo of it sometime. It's pretty it's pretty wild. Oh no, that you know what that that's a fucking lie. That's a fucking lie because I have the Criterion of uh, Seven Samurai. It's not technically a flipper disc. It's on two discs, so you have to change the disc to see the right. second half. What do you even? I don't even understand what this is. Like I literally remember switching VHS, and I've never had a flipper DVD where it's or switch DVD. Where it doesn't have the whole film on it. <laughs> like, I thought that was the whole point of a DVD, was that you didn't have to switch the fucking thing. Man. Yeah. We're old men. That's the... Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I had the VHS that you had to switch. I don't even understand. Yeah. There's, like, a whole era I just fucking fell asleep through. Like, I don't there, there wasn't... There, there weren't many of these made, I don't think. No, I think it was brief. Part, you know, it was yeah, brief. It was, it was a brief moment. So, yeah. But, but yeah, no, that's the... And that's the DVD I still own. I never bought the... the, the uh, better version or the newer dvd releases um mm-hmm. i did watch the remastered version for this um podcast recording and i just rewatched it today and yeah no um i think i mean it's an epic it's i think what i was gonna say yeah, a second ago was you know i think that like when i first saw this when i was in my early 20s and i was kind of more thinking of uh you know sort of like directors and writers and you know sort of the the filmmaking prowess of it and the thing that everybody talks about is the you know the long tracking shots and the mm-hmm. um you know just the you know the the freeze frames and all and the funky camera work and all that stuff um and rewatching it now, I was much more focused on the acting and the characters and, you know, just sort of the explosive uh, nature of some of these interactions. Um, I've always felt like the thing that, you know, particularly towards the end of the film with um, with Tommy, I mean, Tommy kind of does it all. Uh, uh, pardon me, Pesci kind of does it all through the film, um, but particularly like Jimmy um, in certain sequences is just how these are just like overgrown children. And the performances really like express that. Mm-hmm. Um my my one of my favorite moments in the film is after spoiler alert tommy gets whacked toward mm-hmm. like the last third of the film and de niro gets it on a gets it on a phone call and he starts like kind of see him like start to tear up and then he gets off the phone and he's at a pay phone um ask your parents um and then he literally like <laughs> takes it takes the phone and just like smashes it against the yeah. side of the and it's just such a like this this like impotent rage but the kind of like it's like a tantrum you know that these guys are throwing. yeah he, and, he, he pushes the fucking phone booth over <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Um, and, and you and you get and you get that sense of like, you know, nobody's ever really told these guys no in their entire right. lives, which is um which is you know fascinating. And and I think it's it's such like great um great performances and great, you know, physical storytelling on that level, on top of the, you know, the kind of the brilliant uh, camera work and the brilliant direction and, and you know all that other stuff. Um one thing that I learned in just kind of doing the some reading is that uh, apparently there was a lot of improv and like sort of the rehearsal process mm-hmm. and a lot of the improv got like kind of taken and then written into the script. And so right. a lot of these kind of long scenes of these guys, you know, kind of, kind of talking back and forth, you know, it doesn't feel improvised, but it feels natural in that, in that, in that. In, in, and I think that that's something that, that really kind of comes across again. Once you, once you kind of see past some of the, just the excess of the film, I think that's what um, is going to kind of keep me coming back to it over and over again. So I, I, I find, it interesting that uh yeah going through some like reading on the background of this um so scorsese kept ray leota away from henry hill because he didn't want his performance like you know influenced uh, too much by him <laughs> right but de niro had full access to henry hill and apparently de niro was like 
almost like a fucking pest to Henry Hill because he was constantly calling him up, asking him the most minute details of what a mobster would do, like shit like how he would hold his cigarette in any given sort of situation. Sure. So it's so like when <laughs> that's, you, when, that's that classic De Niro preparation, right? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, Lady Lee, uh, your sort of general thoughts. <laughs> okay, so uh, I really did appreciate the acting. I thought that all of them um, were absolutely fucking phenomenal. Uh, they really got into the character. You really felt the connection between all of them. Uh, like It felt like an actual family. It didn't look like it was forced. So like when they have the parties and the dinners and everything, and when they're all in prison and talking, it really reminded me... Yeah, None of my family went to prison, but it really reminded me of like a family <laughs> dinner that I used to have when I was younger, like growing up. That, that you're t- revealing to us now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. My mom did date someone from the mafia, but it was very, very, very short lived. So. <laughs> was she asked to hide a gun and made the right decision? <laughs> was she, Probably. Was, yeah. was she asked to hide a bloody gun at that? I, like, yeah. I, I remember her telling me, she's like, I didn't date him long enough to get stuck because the problem is you get stuck in those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's a big thing too when um karen had the gun like the big problem was like even if she did decide to divorce him she would have been fucked anyway he went to let her leave her so you get to the point where either you suck it up you murder him then get murdered or you try to divorce and you get called crazy like um she she did eventually divorce him in real life uh, just yeah, yeah. Uh, in case After you missed was, that like, detail yeah. yeah, after they went through everything and everything was done, and that he wasn't really a mobster anymore. But yeah, yeah. I did see that at the end. But that was she's like- still alive. She's still alive. Yeah, Henry Hill died in what twenty twelve or something. Twenty fourteen like or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's a whole lifetime of being somebody. It caused you that much stress. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. um, twenty five years is a lot. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was really good. Uh, the like I said, the whole family feel of a an Italian like dinner you got that like that party that everything even though this whole mobster thing behind it what they were talking about um my family dinners (laughs) were not mobster shit but like it was that same idea like it was that same kind of talking it was the same fucking accent it was everything like it just took me back like fuck when they said like the prosciutto and all that rest of that shit i'm like oh my god like seeing seeing that uh the dinner scene like at the end there where you know uh, at this point, Henry Hill's like strung out in drugs and paranoid and thinks everyone's out to get him and shit. Uh, just like, what is it, like uh, Rotini or whatever they're eating? Yeah. And it's like, I'm looking at that and I'm like, I'm gaining 10 pounds just watching this film right now. Like, it's oh, that looks so good. Talking about food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, like that scene you played at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like talking about making the uh, making the, the sauce in, in prison. It's like, man, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd hang out there for a day. Sli- <laughs> like, s- slicing the garlic with a razor blade so it dissolves yeah. in the oil. Like, OK, yeah, um, you got or me even, hooked. Even when he had the helicopter that was following him and he was talking about making the pasta sauce. I'm like, mm-hmm. Fuck, I want to be at that house making. The- I, I just want the pasta. Why are we are we wasting the pasta? Like, is that going to waste? Like, what you that, look? that that pasta sauce looks so thick that you could stand a spoon up in it. And I'm like, uh, I want all of that. Apparently, Scorsese's parents, like Scorsese's mom, made all the food that's in the movie too. I believe it. You know? I believe it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I wasn't hungry out throughout the whole fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, and just talking about that final scene. Sorry, not to not to interrupt you, Lita, but you know, like just talking about that final scene. What what always like what gets to me is like you finally see kind of like a day in the life, right? Like yeah. you spend this entire movie kind of you know you're just kind of hearing like the the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and you're kind of getting like this kind of big picture it's like oh this is the way we would do things and then finally like you get like a look at what this actually means and it's like well i had to pick up some guns and i had to get out of jimmy's place and they're in a paper sack and then like he didn't want them because the silos just didn't fit and he's yelling at me about that and he didn't even say goodbye and then i had to go trade this and i'm running from the cops and then later on like after his arrest it's like, you know, I had like coca- a, a bowl of cocaine by my bed. I had everything I ever wanted. We just took it. We lived the high life. And I'm like, dude, you are not living the high life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got a bunch of stuff. But like, man, I don't have to like carry around a bunch of pistols in a paper sack. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you, you know, you, you, you know. Yeah. I mean, the pasta sauce is great, but like, just, <laughs> just befriend an Italian grandma. And, you know, you yeah, no, the pasta sauce. no, I had an Italian grandma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. The honestly, the pasta sauce is probably the best thing they got going on in their lives at that point. Yeah. Like that, sure, that's, yeah. that's the tops. And like, you know, it ain't a small thing, but fucking, you're right. Like, the movie is very much focused on, um, just how what an hypocritical illusion like the whole like uh great wonderful just uh, exuberant fucking life mobsters actually have you know like it's it's very much de-romanticizes all of this shit uh continue uh, how uh, people joked about um how Orange is a new black made prison look like a vacation while Wentworth made it look like it was like actual hell. That's kind mm-hmm. of what it reminds me of. It's like the beginning was like orange is new black. And then at the end it's Wentworth. Like it just kind of switches over like that. Here's the bright side. Here's the shitty side. <laughs> and that's just basically what you got. Like you got the, the high, the highest of the highs. And then you got the lowest of the lows. Like you literally got like the, the worst. Like, well, I guess death could be the best worst, but um, you got the pretty much the worst that could happen to you. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, well, and there is this real turning point in the film where they move from just kind of doing like theft to where they start doing drugs when like narcotics yeah. get involved. Um, there is this real change in tone in, at that like middle point um, right there. Yeah. Um, you, you, you start, you, you stop hearing like, uh, uh, 50s, 60s doo-wop and girl groups and you start hearing like the Rolling Stones on the soundtrack and it's like the editing itself, like with the music, adding the music, they made the whole stressful environment extra stressful with the all the sounds, all the music that they picked. So I thought that was like brilliantly done. Oh, that whole montage of Ray Liotta where he's, you know, he's strung out, he's paranoid, he thinks the cops are after him and uh, it's not that you're just paranoid, they actually are after you. Uh, fucking... <laughs> He he like the whole soundtrack of that is just like one mixtape basically. Like people point this out, like it, it, there's such a dramatic change in the soundtrack at that point in the film where it's like it's Rolling Stones and it's this and that and it's like all like seventies like fucking drug music and like music influenced by cocaine and shit like that, you know? Like, it was the one part of the movie that caught my attention. <laughs> and I mean Scor- yeah, and I mean Scorsese 
he had a drug problem. He he knows he was doing this life. Like he he knows well. He 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 spent like the seventies and most of the eighties uh, like on mm-hmm. coke. You know, mm-hmm. like there are stories of Scorsese literally like spending like four months working on a like editing a movie or whatever with like tinfoil all 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 the windows and just like living in like complete darkness and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. he was just constantly on coke. So if anybody knows how to film those sequences, it's Scorsese. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't say he's not kind of living the life, you know, when when it, when it comes to shit like that. And um, my big takeaway from this rewatch, and I've seen I've seen this movie a few times in my life. I, it's two and a half hours long. I have not, I've not seen it a million times. Uh, I've I've probably, although you know I've I've watched plenty of like two and a half hour movies many times. Like uh, I've watched Once Upon a Time in the West way more times than I probably should have at this point. But, uh, but uh, anyway, my, my, my sort of takeaway from it this time, uh, other than the fucking movie's brilliant. Um, I found it interesting how Scorsese, uh, and I, I'm not familiar with his familiar filmography as much as I should be as a film nerd. Like I've, I've seen kind of some of his big stuff and there's, a, there's a, out of the, like the 30 films he's made, there's probably a good, like, you know, 17 or more that I haven't seen. Like I, mm-hmm. I, just, I haven't gotten into, um, but I, I think it's interesting how Scorsese sort of tends to give us the point of view of outsiders of a particular society, whether, you know, it's the mafia or just society in general or something like that. People trying to make a life in that world that they're outsiders of, you know, they're trying to look in, they're trying to like make a life for themselves. And that world doesn't, want or care about them unless they can do something that's useful for them. And, uh, and, and, and the way they, he does that with his mobster movies, uh, both with this and casino later on, um, <laughs> where, where they are, uh, they're people who can't be made men. Like the year, our protagonists are, are basically, uh, and in the case of Henry Hill, uh, at that time in the mafia, you had to be a pure blooded Italian, right? Um, now, now they've changed the rules where it's like your father has to be pure blooded Italian at the very least, right? But um, yeah, I mean, you had no chance to start with, but no, I didn't. Uh, but I mean, it's so like you know, Henry Hill, he's an outsider. He can never be a made man. Robert De Niro's character is Irish. He can never be a made man. He can be connected, but he can never be a made man. So, they're, so they're all you know. They're all putting their bets basically on Joe Pesci's character of, of Tommy because he's pure blooded, but he's also a psychopath and a loose cannon. So it's like, oh my god, a- he had the best line of the movie, like the "I don't want to get blood on the carpet." Yeah, don't want to get blood on your floor. Yeah, blood on the floor. God, I laughed my fucking ass off like that line. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes into his mom's kitchen and steals a knife or borrows a knife, like, could I borrow this mom? Yeah, oh, we've already seen how he's going to use that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Stop laughing! I thought that was hilarious. It's just like a small thing that they added. That like, what what a head turner that is, though. Like in the very first scene where they're standing outside the car, and he just casually pulls that big butcher knife out from his fucking jacket. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> but but like, yeah. So like, you know, Henry Hill and. Um, and, and of course, and, that that is just just for lead. Uh, that is Scorsese's mom who plays yeah. Tommy's mom in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, 
so you know you got Henry Hill and um, and uh, De Niro's character here. What was it, Johnny or Jimmy? I can't J- Jimmy Jay, the Gent. Yeah, Jimmy the Gent. Um, and of course, these characters are you know loosely based on real people. Uh, you know, like they 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 take an actual like uh, figures in the mafia and an actual famous heist, and they sort of fictionalize it a little bit and change some things around, but it's mostly pretty much to what kind of happened. Um, anyway, they're outsiders. Uh, in Casino, De Niro's character uh, is a Jewish guy who definitely cannot be connected to the mafia as a made guy. Like, he he, he is, you know, he, he's an outsider. So, like, De Niro, uh, like, Scorsese's always even with, like, Taxi Driver, where, you know, total outsider like you know disenfranchised disconnected from society kind of person very much a theme i see kind of running through his films uh, in, in this sort of regard and, and i found it really just kind of interesting how they're only useful up to a point and like this movie is very much about how these blue collar mobsters are even the pure-blooded ones for the most part, they're just totally disposable because it's only about the guys at the very top who can't be touched. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, like I, th- I think this movie does just does a absolutely perfect job of just showing how how much the sort of mafia code is just total bullshit because it's only a code for certain people and not for other people. So, you know, do as they say, not as they do, kind like of church. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's a very and you know and he makes points that it's a very insular society you get like the narration from uh, Karen Hill saying how once she got sucked in there were no outsiders like she never met anyone outside of the mafia families and stuff like that like she was always hanging out with the other mafia wives and how their their skin was always bad and they were always telling stories about how so and so got killed or got like, beat up or you know, like it, it's it's a fucking horror show, man. Like it's. Like, I love some of that dialogue where it's like, "Oh, you can't tell Vinny. Vinny will kill him." It's mm. like, "Oh no, Vinny will kill him," and it's like, "No, no, no, Vinny will actually kill him." Like mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, you know, most people you say, "Oh, he'd kill him," and it's like, "Oh, he would be mad." Like, no, 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 Vinny will actually kill him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, it's really hard to when you watch the intro. And you watched him, uh, like Ray, get beat up by his dad. Mm-hmm. That was so hard to watch. Like I know it was fake, but it's so fucking common. Like, especially I don't know how it is with other cultures, but I know with the Italian culture, it was just so accepted. Like it was just yeah. normalized. Like my poor mom dealt with it her whole life, uh, her whole childhood, and her teens and shit until she left and no one really came to help her no one would come help her because like they were just brushed it off being like oh well, that's what just dad does that's what you do yeah like it's yeah. just it was hard to watch like even though i know it was fake it was just so hard to watch well d- did did some people come by and throw the mailman into a pizza oven uh, unfortunately oh. not my mom oh. is like <laughs> abused her her whole yeah. time living with her parents so nobody to beat up the mailman i mean yeah. <laughs> i mean and, and that's, 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 that's like, the way to solve it of course you know mm-hmm. like that's, yeah. that is actually how you solve child abuse is you throw mailmen into pizza ovens you know yeah and, that, yeah. That, yeah, that, that, well, yeah. that it's it's a fake it's a brilliant little fake out too right because you think okay Henry Hill's young Henry Hill shows up 
at the uh, barbershop or whatever where he's like fucking doing as an errand boy for the mafia and he's got a black guy he's like i can't run for you anymore um i'm doing bad in school my parents aren't gonna let me you expect it's gonna be his dad that gets pulled out of a building or somewhere right. and beaten up right but no it's it's the fucking poor mailman who delivered the fucking <clears throat> school notice about, about yeah. his grades or whatever <laughs> like fucking hell man and yeah. and and, you, and right there too early on you see how henry hill ain't a good guy like there's there's something fucking wrong with him too where he he's watching that pretty coldly and then like later on when you see the adult henry hill um although he's not as explosive a nutcase as joe pesci's character is of of, of tommy like when he's laughing it's pretty unsettling like the the yeah. the, the kind of just like just unhinged fucking laughter that both him and also De Niro does it too at times. Like there, there, there's something like, like you said, Daniel, uh, little kids who never got told no, who, you know, would laugh at like a frog in his legs pulled off, you know, kind of thing, you know, there's like the twilight zone, like kid who can wish people into the cornfield element. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's not a sign of psych- psychopathy at all. <laughs> no. No, not um, I laughed how they aged um, uh, De Niro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, De Niro's Where, f- late 40s here. He's supposed to be 29 when you first see him. <laughs> yeah. I was talking, like, just even Henry was supposed to be 21 when he's an adult. I'm like, he doesn't look fucking 21 at all. Not even close. 35 <laughs> or 6 when yeah, they filmed this film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they look fucking old, like ancient. I'd like, don't even bother saying the age. Just don't bother with the age. Because as soon as they say the age, it just takes you out of that element. I wish they just didn't say it. And you just kind of accepted the fact that, like, they got older. Like, I don't know. I would have been fine had they not said the age. Because, like, just... It, I don't know. It was like Liz, where she's like, "I'm a 23 year old woman." No, you're not. You're not a 23 year old woman. <laughs> like it just. And the, I, don't the, need, I don't need to hear it. I just don't need to hear it. I don't the, need the the time thing line. I can understand how it goes with like the time that passes that they show with like the birthdays and the kids getting mm-hmm. older and all that stuff. Yeah. Grayer. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the 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 real shocker though is when if if you know because you know we have the internet now we can look up things. Um, you look up fucking Pesci's the character he's standing in for here, basically the real life guy. He was probably like twice Pesci's size. Like he he was a big hulking <laughs> guy in his twenties as as well, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that you know, and I, and I and I was telling Lee on on Facebook in our in our private chat. Um, that's Hollywood for you, like you know. Yeah. You, you gotta you gotta put on you know name actors and you know that's how movies are made money is put on you know faces that sell tickets and shit like that you know it's slightly different these days but not too different um and so you know now all that have, all what's that so now we just have 30 year olds playing high school students I mean that's it's always been the thing though, right? Like I mean the the probably the quintessential one I think about is Steve McQueen in the blob, where he's supposed to be a teenager and he's like thirty. Okay. <laughs> Have you watched uh Pretty Little Liars? Literally no. one of the girls is nineteen or eighteen. The rest are like almost in their thirties and they're supposed to be like in grade nine or juniors. Like 
Uh, I mean, I mean, like, fuck off, like fuck right off. <laughs> I mean, it's they, like, they, they, one of girls my age, and I was watching the show, and I was like, she's fucking my age. How am I supposed to fucking believe this? She's my age. <laughs> I mean, they do stretch it. I mean, but I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just say I'll go back to that fucking Steve McQueen thing. At least, at least with the Steve McQueen thing, you kind there's a slightly more credibility because you know we were running into that thing, Daniel, when we were when we started off of like the silent movie era and we were going through where how some of these people were like aged by like thirty years in their faces right. just because they were smoking and drinking all the time. Yeah. I mean, we have, I mean, our actors are just much older than they used to be. I mean, you look at, um, I think it was, God, what was I looking at? Somebody was like pointing out, like, if you look at like the first episodes of Cheers, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, George Went is like 32. Yeah. (laughs) He looks something, you know, I don't know the number, but, you know, but he looks like he's like 50, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I just look at some of this and it's like, you know, now it's like Tom Cruise, like Tom Cruise is currently, you know, he is like 60 years old. Yeah. And he's still doing stunts. And he's still doing his own stunts, right? I mean, imagine looking at, like, you know, the little, like, the kid in, like, you know, uh, whatever his, like, in The Outsiders or whatever, you know, who had, like, three lines. And then, like, pointing to him in 1982 and going, that guy is going to be the biggest movie star in the world for the next 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. You, you mentioned, Daniel, like the, the long tracking scenes here. I guess a couple of them were done out of necessity where they couldn't get permission to, like, <laughs> come in the other way in the restaurant or whatever. That, that is not a problem Martin Scorsese has anymore. I'm just imagining it's like the year 1990. And I mean, this is also like the, Scorsese was going through a bit of a like a fallow period during that. I mean, the mm. coke years are kind of, you know, like he, he had a bunch of I don't want to say bombs, but like stuff that just didn't quite work uh, mm-hmm. commercially or critically. Um, he went through a long period of about like 10 15 years i mean this was this was kind of his big comeback in a lot of ways um and uh uh, the reason he got made is because de niro agreed to do it with him you know Uh like and leota was like everybody's last choice except for scorsese you know like um but uh yeah no um apparently tom cruise was considered for that role and can you imagine tom cruise in the ray leota role well um what was it what the fuck was it that Ray Liotta turned down to do this role. There was something that would have like maybe I have it in my trivia later. I can't remember, but like it was something that would have dramatically like changed his fucking career. Like where maybe he his career might have never even happened if he hadn't done this movie. You know, kind of right. Thing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So did you see that uh, Paul Stravino was the dad in? Um, oh, the one, the one Italiano? we, yeah, the one we did, the one we watched. Watch. Together. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It was, like it was another Italian movie, and it just makes me laugh because that was the first movie I ever saw him in. And then the scene after these other movies is fucking hilarious. Because like, what, what, what movie? What movie? Mambo Italiano. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it, and then that that one's uh, that one's a uh, you know uh, about a. It's a feel good movie, <laughs> uh, but 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 in a, an Italian son who's gay and has to like you know basically come out to his his family and shit, and mm. uh, and, and you know and, and Paul Servino in that one he's like a big cuddly teddy bear kind of guy, compared to here where he's just like a cold fucking sociopath. <laughs> 
Yeah, which apparently he is kind of a teddy bear in, in real life. And, uh, you know, I would say this is the most evil character he's ever played, but he did play Henry Kissinger in Nixon. So. That's that's way more evil. That's way yeah. more fucking evil. But I mean, I mean, Servino, I, I get, you know, I, I did read that initially didn't want to do this necessarily because he didn't think he yeah. could go as dark. But then he sort of came around to it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it because his character like. So he he's he's a mob he's a he's a he's a you know like I don't know like second third tier kind of mob boss character. He's a made guy. Like he's yeah, he's a, he's, he's a made guy. But you know, he he still answers to a bunch of people, and you know he's got to protect his own and shit. But he's it's it's interesting. I saw like he's kind of like his crew. From what I understand, how it's sort of presented here is like they're kind of the enforcer crew. Like, yeah. like when, whenever, you know, they, they still do robberies and all that shit and make money and pay up, you know, pass the buck up to, uh, to the higher ups. But like, whenever there's a problem, they're kind of like called on to like go and start kicking doors down and busting heads and shit. So, right. yeah. And so I mean, that's most of what we see, like Henry Hill do in the movie is just like beat people up for money. You know? mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just a protection racket. A little if you, if you, if I don't get paid, I'm just going to come and like strangle you with the phone cord. Like that's, I mean, they talk about like how, well, you just got to go hustle. You just got to go and, you know, take risks and be out there and put yourself out there. And then the world is yours for the taking and look at how glamorous our life is. And it's like, yeah, what do you do with your time? You like hustle people for money. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. That's all you do. Like, you know, like Henry Hill and them, like they eventually get to a point where they got people under them that they tell the, you know, go out and make money for me, you know, get, you know, loan people money or whatever, or fucking, you know, get them in situations where they owe money. And then when they don't, when they don't pay up, then, you know, Henry Hill's got to go out and like beat a guy up. Although, you know, Henry Hill honestly doesn't do a lot of that necessarily. Well, like he, I actually wanted to touch base on this just a little bit. Like, I do think it's very convenient that the, uh, that the character who's sort of our viewpoint character, who is the real guy who's named here and who kind of contributed to his memoirs, to the book, to the writing of this book, wise guy is the one who's like, well, I was always kind of squeamish. Yeah. I didn't really do a lot of the vibe. I was just, you know, I was just around for it. You know, I was just like those guys. Those guys were the real psychopaths. I was, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't down for all that. You know, I was, I was just, I was just kind of the guy. And it's like, yeah, I I think, I think you were probably right there in the mix with. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's regardless of how he felt about it. He's totally complicit. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I'm saying there's a lot of stuff that isn't in this movie. Like, I I, I don't think it's at all like questionable that like, you know, Henry Hill probably killed some people the same way. Probably. uh, Tommy is shown is is doing it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. This is obvious. Yeah. But although, although from what something I did read, like, I guess interviews of some other mobsters who hung around at the time um, said he was like, kind of, just a hangers on. And I, and I think that kind of plays into the fact that, you know, he's half Italian. So he's not regarded right. as, as in close with them as the rest of them, you know, but as I was saying, go back, like the, the long tracking shots that you mentioned, uh, so, so really, really fucking good. But the first one where you start learning the names of all these people, you're going to instantly forget, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and these are all like named, these are like named mob guys. Like these mm. are all like, you know, like if you were, 
kind of in that world in the 50s and 60s like these are people you know like these are names you know and now it's just like you know vague italian guy like we've just seen this parodied so many times now yeah know? yeah but so you like you go through all these guys you know there's like maybe two of them that show up again in the film uh but i, I like how it's how seductive it is like it it puts you in hills pov Mm-hmm. coming into this world it's almost like hill and then you get hill narrating you get ray, Leo, ray Liotta's hill narrating it's almost putting you in like a vr game recreating his life where he's narrating it for you right so, so it really does kind of drop you into his shoes to a certain degree it's very effective the way that's done and then we get into henry and karen's wedding reception where she gets sucked into the world and it's kind of in her <laughs> perspective right um which has my favorite joke which i never really noticed so much in the film mm-hmm. is that um you know everybody is either a pete or a polly peter paul and and all the, married to marie and yeah. then paul servino's introducing her really like literally everybody is like this is Petey, that's polly over there that there's polly Petey, and his and his wife marie yeah, Marie over there. And then at one point he even says, like, no, this is Pete. No, Polly, Polly, sometimes even I get them mixed up sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it is just like it is like slightly over the top, but it is like, no, I it's it was so funny to me on this rewatch. It's fucking like, it's fucking surreal. So many like really funny parts of this because Scorsese kind of gets how fucking ridiculous this world is in, in points, you know, you know, outside of the murder and violence and shit. It's just it's it's like that that scene actually kind of encapsulates it perfectly how just stupid the stuff is (laughs) like it's just it's great and then also we also get the other long shot where they have their first real date because you know Mm -hmm. and at first it's just like a double date thing that Tommy sets up and like Henry's like fuck this man I don't want to go with some random chick that I don't know kind of thing and he's very like dismissive of her <laughs> to the- you're who can be with a Jewish broad come on like you know <laughs> to, yeah, he's to- also busy that day because he has plans so he's yeah yeah he but but do his plans but you know to to Laureen Bracco's credit to her performance and stuff who is fucking great in this film where she gets all a fiery and assertive Jewish princess where she's like, fuck you. You don't fucking, you know, show me up at a fucking date. You son of a bitch. Who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) I love his line. I thought, no, that was next Friday. I thought that was next Friday. Right. Sure. You did. Yeah. That's great. But then, then they have the real first date and fuck. I love that fucking scene. They're, they're going through the back of the kitchen and you go through all that shit and you got the fucking great music over top of it. it gives me fucking goosebumps every time I see it. I just I, it's a beautiful little piece of cinema that's just so well done. And that's where that's where Karen's perspective where she gets sucked into the mafia, you know. Right. Love it. What is it that you said you do again? I'm in construction. <laughs> yeah. And then she's taking his hands. Your hands are way too soft for construction. Basically. Um, you know, I'm a union rep or whatever. You know? <laughs> I'm a union delegate. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I'm a union delegate, AKA I'm in the mob. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And, I, and, you know, like even the symbolism of, you know, when, when he, <clears throat> he beats up the guy across the street who fucking kicked her out of the car or whatever, once yeah. she wouldn't, put out for him or whatever uh she he hands the gun over to her 
just the symbolism of that is so well done by Scorsese, where it's just like he puts a bloody gun right in her hand and it's a close-up shot of that happening. It's like, <laughs> that's where she turns, where she gets sucked into the life. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this guy's making films. Never heard of him before, this Scorsese guy. And look at this film he's making right now. What has yeah. he done before? Yeah. Yeah, you know, a couple of pieces of crap. Some Liza Minnelli movie, I think. Yeah, you know. fucking Jesus Christ, man. Great stuff. <laughs> that That's a brutal moment, too. Like, I think that, again, like, kind of rewatching it now, kind of like, you know, with a little bit of distance from it. I mean, when when he comes in there, and maybe it's because I, I watched the remastered version. I'm sure the audio is, is better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, like, watching him... <laughs> beat the ever-loving shit out of that guy like he pulls the and he like bashes him in the skull like 20 times with that with the with the butt of that pistol like that is that is not you know? i mean like I mean, that, that guy's going to the hospital you know what i mean like no he's he's straight up disfigured because he he smashes him like 20 times across the bridge of the nose with that fucking pistol butt yeah. and like and it's so simple like it, it's not a fight scene it's not a like him knocking him on the ground kicking the shit out of him or anything it's it's just same thing over and over again like 20 times just bringing that pistol butt yeah, down on that guy's too. yeah just right on his nose and fucking that that guy's disfigured like his his life is fundamentally changed forever <laughs> this is the guy who literally lives across the street you know mm-hmm. like, man you're never gonna find out who did this you know like, well i mean i mean when when he walks away he briefly looks to his side somewhere at somebody uh-huh. that's off screen looking at this shit and he's like yeah you want to say something and then he keeps walking and right. then he gets that, that caveman look on his face where his jaw starts hanging or whatever you know it's like yeah. jesus christ fucking christ that's a performance that like I, m- I imagine he had to probably like work himself up for that a little bit like to get to that fucking <laughs> yeah you think yeah <laughs> because he he looks legit mad when he when he's walking away from that like yeah, yeah, okay yeah. i get that i I've, I've seen that i haven't seen someone pistol whip a dude but i've i've seen people walk away from fights looking like that and it's like yeah okay yeah should have done a fucking lip sync. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they, he should have just like, hey, bro, this is a song. We're going to sing it. Let's do it. <laughs> Get your makeup on and your heels. I'm imagining like high school musical, you know? Yeah, we're going to like. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro, here's the rules. We sing the song. No one steps over the center line of the street. We just do it now. <laughs> Now I wish Scorsese had made West Side Story instead of Spielberg. <laughs> oh my God! Fucking fucking Ray Liotta in a fucking like bomber's jacket or whatever the fuck, and just like dancing and singing. Yeah, okay, I can see it. <laughs> I'm just gonna ask the opinion: Should I get one of Murray's wigs? <laughs> well. They yeah, don't come off in the water. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> that fucking commercial, man. <laughs> you know? It's so perfect, right? Like, I mean, yeah. 
even in the 80s we saw even even the 90s we saw commercials that low rent right like it's yeah, just fucking yeah. so good and like you know when he gets roughed up the first time and his wig comes off and then henry hill just breaks out laughing like that's such a perfect human moment like right yeah this, this violence is being done but it's so fucking funny that henry hill's like he's gonna oh, stop stop fucking him up if i will pay the money or whatever yeah and and, and you see he's got the piece of tape on his head that's you know for the fucking wig and shit like, oh yeah. yeah that's that's good stuff I, I should mention the dead bodies in this film mm-hmm. look like real dead bodies like it's not horror movie shit it's it's like it's pretty it's pretty obvious that scorsese knows what mob photos of crime scenes you know mob crime scenes look like and it's like you know billy bat's body when he oh yeah this is like yeah that looks like every fucking mobster crime scene aftermath i've ever seen in a photo like just well and just think about like just think about being billy bats in that moment because like tommy shoots him through the mouth like mm-hmm. with that snub nose revolver and he's still alive yeah like hours later and he opens and it's like oh i'm gonna kill you for this and they just like stab him and Mm -hmm. i mean it it is brutal it is absolutely brutal i mean this is i think we get so used to seeing you know sort of like not not even like bloodless you know but like sort of effortless kill scenes you know Mm -hmm. and i I think that you know you just kind of get this idea that like boom down and this is more like i mean it looks like he's like carving a turkey just you know like it's i mean like actually ramming like a chicken uh, pardon me a chicken knife a, a kitchen knife into some and like over and over again i mean this is not like <laughs> this is not some like easy process this is i mean this is this is horrifying. You know, it, one of the things people don't realize is like it's actually hard like if you stab someone especially if you stab them deep it's actually it takes effort to take a knife out of a person after you stab yeah. them because like the flesh like sucks in like it's right well, and you got to get through that bone. You got to get through all that. You know, I mean, like, it's not that you can't kill somebody that way, but Jesus, it's, you know, it's, yeah. you know, uh, and, and again, I think that movies just kind of treat it as, you know, like, oh, we got a bump on the head. He's out cold. He's gone. And it's like, no, that's that's kind of not not how it goes most of the time. Like, yeah. Know. And then you, then you see these mobsters like just casually talking about this shit, right? Like, you know. They're they're firebombing a fucking like nightclub that's gone under because you know couldn't pay its bills or whatever, and they're just casually talking about. I mean, they bled dates. it dry. This guy comes yeah. in and he's like, "You got to protect me from Tommy," and like you know, Paul Servino's like, "What? You want to go in the? I don't know anything about the about the restaurant, but it's like it's okay. We'll take care of it." And literally, Paul Servino just just sucks it dry. I mean, it's like. All right, well, you're going to order liquor and we're going to sell it out the back and you're going to take out more loans. And when you literally can't get any more money, we're just going to burn the place down for the insurance money. Yeah. And I mean, just ruins the guy's life, you know, like, yeah, you, you, you complain, you'll be dead somewhere. They'll find your yeah. body, you know, yeah. Um, it's it's just fucking crazy, like how fucking evil these people are. Like, it's just Scorsese does not romanticize good mobsters. And and I, and I think it's interesting how this movie i think i feel like it's much more influential than like the godfather films as far as Mm -hmm. like how people view mobsters these days and how people do stories about mobsters like it feels like you know like i'm watching the sopranos now and it's like 
okay, Sopranos stole this from Goodfellas. They stole this from Goodfellas. They stole this plot from Goodfellas. They stole this plot from Goodfellas. It's like Goodfellas is the blueprint of modern mobster movie. Like, like yep. the Godfather seems kind of quaint at this point, like compared <laughs> yeah. to it. You know, like it's just. The, like the Godfather's like a black That's and white. That's the one I haven't seen yet. Godfather's like a black and white silent movie now, almost. And then in, in regards to this, like kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, and Goodfellas is thirty-two years old now, so yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Goodfellas is as old is is twice as old now as the Godfather was when Goodfellas was made. You know, yeah, that's that's fucking crazy. <laughs> this was a first time watch for me. I've never seen it before. Did you? Okay. So, like overall, did you did you enjoy? This movie, Lee. I, I, I know, I know, you, I know your attention span is a. And I apologize, by the way. I forgot that this was two and a half hours. I was like, we're we're doing this this week, Lee, and like here you go. And oh, sh- and I looked at the time. It's like, oh shit, this is two and a half hours. She's gonna, she's Hate gonna you. not. Yeah, she's not gonna like this. <laughs> I, uh, I should, I should, I should have mailed the flipper discs. Just watch the first half; it'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, Lee, give your give your final thoughts on this one. <laughs> okay, um, I think it's gonna be the only time I watch it because it's so long. I can't do mm-hmm. it. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Uh, like I said, I thought the acting was really good. I thought the choice of music was really good. So I thought like the directing was great. It's just not my kind of movie. That's it. Like I, Completely as fair. much as it's, as much as it's like a huge hit. Like I was telling everybody that I haven't seen it yet. They're like, oh, you're gonna love it. It's a great movie. Like Ryan was saying that it's like one of his favorites. And I, uh, I went to watch it the first twenty minutes. I was like, holy fuck, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I struggled so hard to stay focused that whole movie. Like it's just, I'm not into it. If there's not like unnecessary amounts of like action for a long movie, I cannot stay focused like Mm. i said the movie itself was so well done um i can't say anything negative towards the movie it's literally just me and like my preference yeah that's fair fair uh daniel any sort of closing thoughts on this uh, I was pleasantly surprised that it held up as well as it did, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I've seen this a number of times. I mean, I I used to, you know, just put this on like at least the first half. I would put it on like I did this thing for years where I would just I needed like some movement in the in the apartment, and so I would just put a movie on and then just mute it, right, and mm-hmm. then just put the subtitles on and then just you know put it on repeat or whatever. So I've watched the first half of this movie, you know, in that format probably like a hundred times. Yeah, um, because I always prefer the first half to the second half. The first half is where, like, you know, all the setup stuff is, and that's the stuff that I found really compelling. Although I found the the, the second half really, really worked better for me uh, on this. On this, you know, once you start seeing the plot as opposed to kind of seeing it as a bunch of disconnected elements, which is kind of mm-hmm. more how I maybe saw it, you know, the first few times. Um, you know, you definitely see kind of the structure of it, which really helps to to kind of push through. So I would recommend you know trying it again in a few years, Lee, and see if you. See if you maybe get get a little bit more out of it. I mean, it is. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, or, or break it up. You know, watch it in thirty minute increments. Like it's yeah, there's nothing wrong with I that. Like the end, the, I thought the end was done really well. Like I thought the the scene with like the helicopter that sure. I was in, like that actually caught my attention. Um, I do want to point out. I totally forgot about this, but Paul, when he said that he doesn't have a phone, and mm-hmm. then I have to reach him. Oh my god! The first part I thought of was you. Yeah, like so well. There's some people who don't even have fucking phones still. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to tell you about my operations here in Nova Scotia, but uh, <laughs> I'm the mafia. 
Well, and he's got the, uh, he's got the, uh, you know, by the end, you sort of get the, like, you know, yeah, Polly doesn't have a phone. You know why Polly doesn't have a phone? Because he doesn't want to get to prison. You yeah. Know? Like, he, um, you know, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. No. So, yeah, I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised that it held up as well as it did. I was really afraid I was going to, you know, kind of find stuff to, find stuff to dislike a lot more with it but um i watched it i i it held my attention just fine even though i kind of know the story pretty well and um i found new things to enjoy about it and i think it's i mean i think it's still a, a masterpiece you know i think yeah. i think this will be the one that scorsese is remembered for i mean i i would put this above taxi driver and mean streets and I would. you know kind of yeah the other i don't know there are like a handful like six or so that sort of like they're like the high marks of scorsese and i think this is the best i think this is the one he i think this is his masterpiece so you know well like like we were saying where he had kind of a really bad period there for a few years in the 80s and shit yeah i, I kind of see like he, it seems like he's putting everything into this the degree he went for detail and stuff in this yeah. and it, it's this big sprawling epic and how influential it is now yeah i, I kind of feel like this is his best movie and this is the one yeah. people are going to this, this is this was made for 25 million dollars which was not a huge budget even in no. 1990 you know like well like Encino I've, man was two years later and it was made for like 12 million you know what i mean <laughs> like, you know? now granted you had to get brendan fraser for that one you mm-hmm. know like you had to have Pauly Shore light up the screen for Encino Man, but <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, you can't discount Brendan Fraser, the most beloved man in Hollywood these days. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. So a little bit of trivia here. Uh, there's actually, and <laughs> this is last updated in 2016. So this is probably just dead. They tried to get a Goodfellas TV movie produced. Nicholas Pelagi is behind this as well, writing and producing, and it's supposed to like cover more of his actual book like uh Mm. henry hill after he gets out of prison basically kind of thing oh Um, that's interesting yeah and then sort of the criminal shit he got into afterwards where he you know got kicked out of witness protection and shit for you know keep (laughs) continuing to fuck up yeah yeah so like uh last update of 2016 probably dead especially considering like nicholas plague he's 80 now and he's you know he's probably not going to make a lot more yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be surprising to see like Netflix do a series or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that that would, I could see that happening, but I would you would probably guess that like Scorsese isn't going to come back to this again, and you no. know, like, really, you'd want to give it to somebody new. You'd want to have like a fresh take on this material. I think that's you know some of the like reputation of Scorsese, you know, kind of after this is like he just started making the same movie over and over again, you know, mm-hmm. like. The, the gag with casino is casino, you know, like, which isn't, uh, I mean, it's unfair to casino, but I mean, there yeah. is an element of like, you know, you can see like bits of, you know, this in, I mean, you see a, a big part of the DNA in this in casino in like Wolf of yeah. Wall Street and then some of his later stuff where he's just kind of coming back to this well a little bit, um, which, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, you, you I wouldn't want to see somebody just try to like ape, you know, to ape Scorsese. I wouldn't want somebody to kind of come in and like, I'd want, I'd want like a new take on it personally, you know, <laughs> just think about the fucking Irishman, you know, where we're talking about how everyone looks too old in this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, for me. So I, I, I got like it. I think I got like 45 minutes into that and just turned it off. And that was where like the, the, like the mocap de-aging stuff and where like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> where these, these men now 
walk like they're 80 years old yes you know? and then they're supposed to be 17 and they're walking like they're 80 years old and it's like just cast young people i'm yeah, sorry i exactly. agree i agree robert de niro is a fantastic actor he is not the only actor who can do this you know yeah he, he can no longer move like a 30 year old man so don't yeah. cast him as one right exactly this cast <laughs> exactly. is a 19 or 21 year old yeah exactly. he should be a high school kid yeah why i want to see i want to see him in like an 80s uh, sex comedy like mm. de-aged <laughs> he did that film with uh what aubrey plaza where he's like the grandpa that she's got the hots for or whatever like oh god i did not see that i didn't Uh, see that i didn't see it either but no it's it's so behind i I don't know if it was called fuck your grandpa or something i don't know jesus christ was it a porn (laughs) no (laughs) i mean aubrey plaza porn i would tune in for that but yeah i tuned in for that but uh no there there were yeah there's something like what the i can't even think of what the fuck it was called all right i'm i'm like go ahead do do some trivia uh, so according to Henry Hill, uh, Pesci's portrayal of Tommy DeSimone was 90 to 90 percent accurate with none. One notable exception, like we said, the real Tommy DeSimone was massively built. Ow. He was a big guy. Fuck, big fucking guy. So uh, Nicholas Plaggy says that actual mobsters were hired as extras to add uh, authenticity to scenes. And the mobsters uh, gave Warner Brothers fake Social Security numbers. And so no one knows how they received their paychecks, which is yeah, that that so, sounds about right. Dirty grandpa. Dirty grandpa. That's it. Wow. Wow. They have like a sex scene. I, I don't know how graphic it is, but I think they're pretty sure. I'm pretty my sure they have a sex scene. My but, foot right now. So well, I mean, cats do that. <laughs> While directing his mother, Catherine Scorsese, Martin didn't tell her that her character's son had just killed someone, and the body was in the trunk of the car. He only told her that his son was home for dinner and to cook for them. So that's how they sort of get that. Uh, not not that I feel like he needed to do that with her because she's like a non-actress, you know, like kind of thing. Like right. probably still could have been pretty natural, but they went to that degree in this film to do that. The how am I funny scene is based on something that actually happened to Joe Pesci. Uh, I guess working in a restaurant when he was younger, told a mobster he's funny. Uh, and sort of basically got the same response. So he yeah. he 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 told Scorsese that and Scorsese was like, "Oh, we got to put that in the fucking film. We got to we got to fucking do that." Uh, and I guess Scorsese didn't tell the other cast that that was going to be kind of what was happening. So they got some genuine reactions when <laughs> Pesci blew up on them and shit. Right? Oh so, yeah, yeah. Fuck and its derivatives are used 321 times in this film. Uh, average of 2.04 times per minute. And Joe Pesci says about half of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Usually while stabbing someone. Joe or Pesci's laugh someone. is the funniest thing. <laughs> like in that one scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at the time the film's release, it had the most profanity of any movie in history. As of 2020, it's number 15. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street is number three. At least, no. uh, at least at the point when this uh, trivia was written. So I don't know, but um, <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how that's like measured. I don't know yeah. who's, who's keeping track of that now. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if they put dates on the people's trivia that they add to the IMDb, that'd be much more helpful. But you know, yeah, IMDb is old as fucking Father Time at this point, so they're not going to yeah. change that much. Uh, and finally, 
Martin Scorsese wanted to use Frank Sinatra's version of My Way at the end credits, but Sinatra would not allow, allow Scorsese to acquire the rights to his version of the song, so he had to use the Sid Vicious one. And uh, I can see why Sinatra would not want, like, hey, Sinatra, you knew some mobsters, huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Hint. Yeah, I can see why he didn't want any involvement uh, in this at all. One of the songs that they used is, like, commonly used in TikTok videos, but, like, with the end switched. So as soon as I heard it, I was expecting this ending to the song, even though I knew it wasn't. And that kind of bugged me. <laughs> it's like, how well, are you not in the future in 2020 with the fucking TikTok songs? I don't have TikTok. What, I just what, everyone else plays TikTok. What 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 song was it? You, you I know? can't remember. I honestly can't remember the name of the song. But it's the one where in the TikTok they go like, oh no, oh no. And anyone who knows like TikTok will know what I'm talking about. What are they doing in the movie during that song? I don't remember. I just remember the song popped up. I assume it's one of the girl group ones. That it's an older song. It just yeah. it starts off as an older song, and then the song just uh, takes away and adds like a part that's like newer. Like they do that. They mix mash songs on TikTok, so it's not actual songs. It's just a mesh of songs mixed together. TikTok should be destroyed. Um, budget for this was twenty five million. Box office was forty seven point one million at the time. I'm sure it's done even way better in you know video releases and all that shit. It, it's made some money. Release info for this, you can find it everywhere. 4K Blu-ray, regular Blu-ray, multiple editions, and as, as well as just regular DVD, iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Movies Anywhere, Canadian Netflix, and YouTube, you can rent and buy it on there as well if you if you so choose. Uh, so, like, there's no excuse not to find this movie if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I definitely. Think it is "Remember" what? by the Strangle Shangri-Las. Apparently. Okay, there we go. There we go. Yeah, that one. That works. Um, yeah. So, uh, Daniel, great to have you back. When we can get you, yeah, it's, it's yeah. always a pleasure. Want to, want to be coming back more often if I can, if, if I'm welcome, obviously. Uh, I mean, you're always fucking welcome. You can be here every goddamn sure. week if you can do it, but of course you <laughs> sure. can't. But It's uh, uh, you know kind of a challenge these days with, uh, with mm-hmm. other responsibilities. But uh, no, yeah, I definitely want to come back whenever I can. So 
Yeah, so plug the other much more important podcast stuff you do. <laughs> I, do a, I do a podcast uh, called I Don't Speak German in which I talk about uh, the subcultures of uh, truly uh, terrible people, like uh, actual, like, uh, you know, active neo-Nazis. Uh, the most recent episode was in which I read the entire 800-plus page um, diary of the uh, Buffalo shooter at the uh, Topps uh, grocery store and uh, discussed the contents therein. Um, I also covered the Uvalde, Texas uh, shooter uh, to some degree. So uh, we called that one um, uh, Mass Shooters and Toothaches uh, because there was uh, some speculation online by someone I respect, but who had a very bad t- take on Twitter that uh, the uh, Buffalo shooter was inspired in some degree by his toothache um, and lack of dental care, which, uh, um, yeah, it's a. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if this intrigues you at all, go check out the most recent episode of I Don't Speak German. You can find that at I Don't Speak German. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. That's the best way to find me. So, and I and I I encourage people. By the way, uh, you only got to pay one buck, whether either it's to Daniel or Jack Graham, uh, his co-host on that show, to join their Patreon. Because if, if you you know if you enjoy that stuff, you know as much as you can enjoy hearing about Nazis. Um, if you know, if you miss Daniel talking about movies, if you're like an old school fan of this podcast and miss Daniel talking about movies, he and Jack on the Patreon pretty much just do that right now. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we try to do something lighter. You know, we we make people pay for the lighthearted movie content yeah. and give away the like hardcore reporting for free. That's the that's the that's the model we've chosen. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it really is just kind of it gives people an incentive to, you know, give us a little bit more money and to have the fun stuff, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, then, you know, you, after all the horrific shit that you guys report on us all the time, <laughs> it, it's nice to have a breather where you guys can relax and sort of stretch out yeah. and just have fun, too. So it's it's good. It's yeah. good to hear that. And we, we try to make the uh, the choices of media that we covered at least somewhat relevant to the kind of material of the podcast. But sometimes we stretch that <laughs> just a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's 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 it, I think it's worthwhile. It, it, th- that, those are fun conversations. I have with Jack. So, you know, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Uh, Lady Lee, where can people find you? At Mighty Tiny All Star on Instagram. I will update you with any updates that I have about the podcast. And pictures, lots of pictures, random pictures. Yeah. Uh, so, so what are we doing next, Lady Lee? Do you put a, what is it, uh, Kung Fu Monkey Fist something or other we're, we're going to do? You, you, you do realize that movie that you picked, by the way, is two hours long. Then we won't do it next. What? Oh, really? Okay. Okay. I'm not doing another two-hour movie. Okay. <laughs> Lee and I have literally done like three three-hour movies on this podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> you don't I have no attention span, so to finish it takes forever. Like the last movie, <laughs> I fell asleep like three, four times before I could actually finish the, or finally get the movie done. Uh oh my god, <laughs> Citizen Kane. I don't know. You don't even understand how long it took me to finish that movie. Like I literally had to like go in tiny increments because I've kept falling asleep. It's not that it's a bad movie. It's just sometimes it gets really long and I just like put- you. You you mean you weren't continually woken up by the announcer going Xanadu? Yeah. That's Xanadu. <laughs> That's probably where I woke up and I was like, oh, I can watch from here now. <laughs> I was trying to figure out. The oh, and like. What was worse too? I know I missed like a good chunk because I, I literally just kept falling asleep. <coughs> Thank God I did the podcast with Lee, so it like fell on the plane. Yeah. 
so I could like write my paper for class. Yeah. So uh. so so what we can do, so what we can do, like I, I feel like we should put like a kind of mission statement for the summer where we just do nothing that's more than ninety minutes. We can do the occasional long one. I don't mind. It's just you have to understand. <laughs> like we could, we could push. We're we gonna, could push. I'm gonna make her watch the Seven Samurai. You understand that, now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get your get your flipper disc out. Um, <laughs> fucking. So, so what we'll do, Lee, is this, we'll, the Seven Samurai is like three and a half hours long. We yeah. Go, <laughs> we can go opposite direction. We can do um, a movie that is representative to Pride because it's Pride Month. Yeah, we still we still got a big month ahead of us, so we still got a couple weeks. We can do another Pride movie, yeah, definitely. We could, I mean, we could, I, we could do another fucking John Waters, Divine. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. There was one I wanted to see, and I can't remember the name of it. Damn it. Okay, we're gonna do another Divine one. I, All I right. will Send you whatever one I think of. All right, that sounds good. But um, we'll, we'll 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 try to like focus for the summer. We'll try to like do shorter, more action-packed films. Well, we'll find some like shitty kung fu films and stuff to do. And I mean, Daniel, you and I were were talking about something earlier on Twitter that we could do. Um, yeah, no, I've got that. Uh, I've got that up here. It was uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu or The mm-hmm. Dragon Lives Again. Yeah, and that one's only like ninety minutes. <laughs> um, so either Lust in the Dust or Polyester. Oh polyester lust in the dust intrigues me because that's not john waters that's divine with uh i think it's paul bartell that directed that one if i'm not mistaken uh ooh, you are right yes yeah and that one's like kind of a spaghetti western parody mm-hmm. oh let oh let's do lust in the dust okay let's do that okay how long is that one I don't know. Hour twenty-five. There we go. Oh, there, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Eighty-four minutes per uh, Wikipedia. So yeah. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> there we go. Less than the dust will be our next one. Then. Well, we'll push. We'll push the kung fu one you suggested back to like the end of summer when you're ready to do another two-hour movie. So we'll, we'll we'll do that. Right. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. No, it's fine. Per rare list, that's only ninety-one minutes. Okay. Yeah. No. It, uh, the one I saw on uh, the version I saw on YouTube was two hours almost. So I can do action movies that are long. I just can't do these. Yeah, Wikipedia drama. also says it's ninety minutes. So for what one again? For uh, Dragon Lives Again? No, I'm I'm talking about another one that Lee suggested. Oh, okay, like okay, okay. I'm Kung sorry. Fu Monkey Fist or something like that. Uh, it was. It was like I, I looked at it as like, oh, monkey kung fu, mad monkey kung fu. There you go. It's like an hour, 56 minutes or something like that. You know, it's going to be like really cheesy and bad, too. Oh, yeah, we we should. Yeah, definitely... that one's that one's like 109 minutes. So, yeah, that's nearly two hours. But yeah, we, we should definitely do the uh, the, the Bruce exploitation one, though. The uh... <laughs> where he's fighting Clint Eastwood and Dracula. Yeah, and... The, the thing the thing I saw, I saw he's fighting Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this has got to be like the man with no name, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about the year it was made, and I'm like, it could very easily be like Dirty Harry Clint Eastwood as well. You know? I seem to re- I seem to recall it's the man with no name, Clint Eastwood, though. So okay, it's like, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, no. it was. It's that been a long sense. time since I've seen it, but 
That makes sense. But I mean, if you're fighting Clint Eastwood, my immediate thought is, well, it's obviously the man with no name. But then, wait a minute. <laughs> this is like three years after Dirty Harry. Like, and wouldn't that also be a badass thing to watch Bruce Lee beat the shit out of Harry Callahan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're going to have some fun shit coming up in the summer. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get some stuff done. Um, so. Daniel, Where can we find you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. You can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find all of our requisite links there. Join the Facebook group. Best way to get in touch with us and give us suggestions for movies, all that good stuff. You know, criticisms, uh, praise. You know, get down on your knees and bow down to us because we're threats. so awesome. De- I wouldn't encourage death threats necessarily, but no, you don't. You don't. You don't want. Yeah, death Daniel. <laughs> Daniel knows well. I met the guy, the one eye guy. The the weird guy, the one. You don't remember that? You had the one guy who was like threatening you. Oh, he's not. Oh yeah, the uh, Taiwanese stalker yeah. I had for a while there. Yeah, oh. there there was a guy who's obviously mentally unbalanced. I don't think I ever told Daniel about this actually. No, I. There, there's this Taiwanese guy. I mean, the one eye guy was threatening me. Kind of makes me. It kind of sounds like a, a euphemism for masturbation. But you know, no, he's he's no, he's not one eyed. He's this. No, he has two you eyes. Know, he's, he's this Taiwanese guy, the skinny, you know, small <coughs> Taiwanese guy, um, who started stalking me on pretty much all my social media, making comments and video responses to stuff, uh, where he seems to think that. Our Dr. Roush avatar that we use from Dawn of the Dead is a mm-hmm. real person who's, of course, he has a one, he has an eye patch, so he's one eye. And apparently, he interpreted this guy as like the embodiment of like the Antichrist or whatever sort of, you know, t- Taiwanese like version of that is or whatever, you know. And he started like saying, like, one eye. Fight me, one eye. I will kill you, one eye. You know you. That's, and, that's where my joke came from. It wasn't like actual. It was just that guy. Yeah, that and so and and so you know a lot of this stuff was you know in whatever version of like Taiwanese language he was using. I I don't know the dialects too well or anything like that. But I was like trying to translate them in Google Translate, and it just got into this like really weird religious shit where he was talking about like you know he he will. He will bring Jesus to me and shit like that. And he will defeat me. And I'm trying to like, and like he thought for a while that, you know, the Dr. Roche thing was a real person and that I was like some sort of like helper of that guy. And like, it just got really crazy <sighs> to the point where I had to block the guy. Cause it was just like, okay, yeah. this guy is mentally imbalanced and I can't fucking. Yeah. Can't, can't deal with that. No, I no. get it. I get it. But he, he, and I think he's like, I checked back into it a couple months ago to see if you still, he's still doing it. Like he's still making, like he's just screaming into the void at this point at me. And like, that's so weird. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's kind of sad. It's kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time, but it's just like, no, it's, it's a thing for sure. Yeah. But, uh, And that was good, fellas. (laughs) Yeah. That was good, fellas. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Daniel. Whenever we can get you, it's always a fucking pleasure to have yeah, you back. Love to come back so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And lady, but I only do movies longer than. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh minutes, fuck! So. <laughs> I keep yeah. it warm for you. Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna see Daniel all summer apparently because we're we're just doing shorter <laughs> movies. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's fine. Yeah. No, I'd love to come back for sure. Sweet, sweet. Uh, and Lady Lee, of course. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And we're going to get the fuck out of here. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head The room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said, quote Ain't that a hole in a boat My head keeps spinning I go to sleep and keep grinning If this is just a beginning My life is gonna be Beautiful, I've sunshine enough to spread It's just like the fella said Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the head The fellow once said, ain't that a kick in the head? Like the sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a boat? My head keeps spinning, I go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. She's telling me we'll be wet. She's picked out a king size bed. I couldn't feel any better, or I'd be sick. Tell me quick, boy, love a kick. You've been listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.